This week on the Scam Show Podcast, a live-action Wonder Woman's finally cast, Sony wants their own universe of Marvel characters, the next X-Men movie is teased before the current one's even released, Fallout from the passing of Paul Walker has put the next Fast and Furious in jeopardy, J.J. Abrams admits his biggest Star Trek regret, plus reaction to the latest trailers for Amazing Spider-Man 2 and the sequel to 300. All this week on the Scam Show Podcast, Squishies, Comics, and Movies, Brought to you by StolenDroids.com Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours, well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 141. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And we come to you a day later than expected. We apologize for that, but... Uh, well, we're here now. We're happy to be here for you. We were actually just interviewed. That's the reason we're a day late. Did you know that? Well, you guys knew that because you were there with it. But yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were just interviewed by City Weekly. It's a local magazine here in Utah uh, for being one of the top-rated geek podcasts uh, and kind of an honor, kind of an unexpected honor, actually. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get a link up for that as soon as it uh, hits the digital shelves, as it were. Yeah, thank you, City Weekly. It's awesome. Do, do, is someone playing the Nutcracker Suite? It's my clock. <laughs> we went through this last night, and I was going to edit it out, but since you just mentioned it, I cannot do that. <laughs> I took my bird clock down for you. <laughs> That's not annoying at all. Hey, before we get too much uh, into other annoying clocks and sounds, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Hey, we have feedback Feedback, feedback. First off, uh, well, actually, both of them come from Sam. Sam, we apologize. One of them you sent in 10 days ago, and I didn't get to it on our last show. Uh, but you actually sent a link to some f- crazy little tiny robot jellyfish. Bear with me, people. These are robot jellyfish that fly, which sounds something like out of a sci-fi horror novel. I don't know why researchers are making this. I think someone's just bored and has an overabundance of grant money. But it uses kind of that pulsing jet action that jellyfish use to hold itself aloft. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I I wonder if there would be any type of uh, application for it, given that it looks so dainty, for lack of a better word. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting how it works. Application will be... Some sort of CIA project, or excuse me, NSA project, and it will then lead us into Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you that, imagine like Skynet? Can you imagine literally like in a, the sky? A hundred thousand of those just swarming around you that That'd have be become sentient. Yeah, they're they're poking and prodding at you. <laughs> this is how we will get one hundred percent coverage in Google Maps. It is also how we will all die. So, yes, to answer your question, we also think it's a little bit creepy there, Sam. Why Why do scientists keep doing this? Haven't they, like, watched sci-fi enough to know, I know. that the robots will revolt? There will be an <laughs> it's uprising? Like, it's kind of like when you're watching a horror movie and you're screaming at the, at the TV, what are you doing? Don't walk down that dark hallway that's dripping blood. Obviously something's going bad is going to happen. Haven't you ever seen another horror movie? <laughs> I feel like I'm doing that with these scientists, with these roboticists. It's like, what are you doing arming the robot with the machine gun? Haven't you seen anything? That's not going to end well. No, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I, I I think scientists and inventors are kind of out of ideas. Um, I just posted a link for you guys. Um, this is a Sony patent for a smart wig. No joke. <laughs> I taking wearable tech to the next level. It it like it's things like this, like the the flying jellyfish and the smart wig. It just shows that we're out of ideas. We've hit the Hollywood of tech. <laughs> I I I don't even know what to say to that. Like, does it interface with a PS4 or <laughs> does it help with Blu-ray or I, I don't even. Hmm. All I know is that all if scientists are truly out of ideas, you know what they need to do? They need to go back and watch all those cheesy 80 movies, 80s movies, excuse me, where they had like the really crappy high-tech special effects of what they thought we would have invented by now, but we haven't. What they need to do is like they did in Weird Science, 
and like lightning. Create a girl. Barbie doll. Um, girl who can grant wishes. I mean, oh, for nerds kay. with bras yeah. on their head. That's what they need to do. Okay. Sure. Actually, I think someone has been watching. I think. Have you seen them three D printing uh, human organs and body parts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I go back and I watch uh, Fifth Element now, and it kind of weirds me out because when they're – if you haven't seen Fifth Element, there's a uh, an ultimate being, an ultimate warrior who dies in a crash sequence. They only have a strand of her DNA, and using that, they're able to reconstruct her body using what looks like what we thought 3D printing was going to look like. Oh, I remember that scene. That was cool. It's kind of crazy now to think about it, but um, – Hey, there's something. But, uh, yes, Sam, uh, we are also creeped out by the jellyfish and the cybernetic toupees. Uh, another, uh, another one that Sam also sent in just yesterday is in regards to our last, uh, not our last show, but Clubbing Baby Seals episode from a couple weeks ago. Uh, he says, I think that Zahner and Schmitty are right that live action TV series let the people outside the comic universe also enjoy the main series. Uh, if you, going back here a little bit, we were talking about why is it that even a bad TV series based on a comic property is more legitimate than a good animated series. Why things like Arrow or The Flash or whatnot, or Smallville, really crappy TV series. I shouldn't say crappy, because Arrow's actually getting pretty good. Arrow is good. But you guys know what I'm saying. A low-budget, not-stupendous live-action series gets more recognition than an excellent, well-done animated series. And, uh, Zahner, Schmitty, you guys said that it's because it gets more recognition. It just... It gives it legitimacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I also uh, heard a quote from Orson Scott Card where he, he was talking about the, uh, the movieization, I guess you could say, of, of Ender's Game. He said that people, um, tend to like the, to, to see a movie, um, of their favorite books mainly because they want, they want to be able to, uh, <clears throat> Uh, what's what I'm trying to think of? They want to be able to to uh, s- yeah, they want to see it instead of, instead of try to in, instead of trying to imagine it, they want to actually see it and actually be closer to it and experience it that way. So I I guess that has something to do with it too. You think that's why Game of Thrones is so popular? Oh yeah, it could be, but ge- that's just a really good show though. But I think a lot of times though it upsets people because like I know my wife will go to a movie. And she'll say, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not what that character's supposed to look like. That's not how, you know, and I, I know she's not the only one who does that. No. And mm-hmm. so if she's doing it, there's a lot of other people who are doing it. And so oh, I yeah. think, I think you're towing a fine line there where you've, you're providing the visual medium for the book. But if you do it incorrectly, you're really going to upset a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go- going back to his feedback here, because he has he, re- he goes on, ignoring the USA for now. Japan also has many cases where its manga and anim- animes ha- that have become live action series or dramas. Two examples I can think of off the top of my head would be uh, Negama, which the general anime consumers think of as an epic failure. Interesting, and Yamada and the Seven Witches, both of which the manga have gone very well. Another one would be Hiragushi, which first came out as a game, but then was adapted as an anime and manga, and then was adapted into a live-action movie. Many anime fans dislike a large percentage of the live-action adaptations, but it's still there for the general public that doesn't want to look childish watching anime or reading manga comic books. Uh, another one is they did a, a remake of the Battleship Yamoto as a live-action, I remember, uh, Sam. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and... Check it out. It's pretty good. Uh, back in the USA, to be honest, there aren't a lot of people who I know who still read comic books or watch animations anymore. Plus, I'm still in high school. I'm pretty much known as the otaku or anime fan of my school. However, they watch a lot of broadcast live-action TV shows. I think the ones who like the live-action series will later go back to the comic books or animated series, if only to get back to the source of the show, which can be argued to be much better than the adaptation. This will lead to an increase in fans of the main series, which leads to more money in general. I think he's got a good point. You know, gets people watching the live-action stuff, gets their foot in the door, they'll go back to the source material. I think that's the ultimate hope. Yeah, that is a really good point, though. But, but, and uh, this isn't live action, and I know, so I'm kind of going off topic. You guys remember Teen Titans, right? From about 
oh, what is it, like nine years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a great series. Yeah. It was an, a wonderful series, okay? They they retconned a lot of the characters. It had Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, Cyborg, and Robin uh, going against Slade or, or Deathstroke. And it kind of dumbed down their age. I shouldn't say that. It 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 Lower made them younger. Age, yeah. And it changed their backstory, and it was immensely popular. It was viewed by hundreds of thousands of kids, okay? And a lot of those kids then went into starting to read comics. And so you have Starfire from the TV series, who is a naive, flat-chested young lady who's trying to learn Earth culture, who is just very, very exuberant and kind of weird, right? But very loyal to her friends. A good role model for girls that age. Then you go back to the quote-unquote source material with Red Hood and the uh, uh, Red... I forget his name. Uh, the out- Red Hood and the Outsiders. Outsiders, yeah. And Starfire there is literally a sex slave. She is beyond voluptuous. Like, obviously she's alien because no human ever is ever going to look like that. And she enjoys screwing the men on her team and setting them against each other. So sometimes it's not good to go back to the source material. Sometimes you just want to let it sit by itself. Right. So, but otherwise I think all good points, Sam. Thank you. We appreciate the feedback. If you want to send feedback, we will read it on the air. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. So, into the episode. We have a lot of headlines this week, actually. We do. It's kind of surprising. You know, I was actually wondering... Since we were just talking about comics and whatnot, let's jump straight down to the bottom of our list here. Ooh, yes, we will. Um, we have news this week that Wonder Woman has been cast. And it seems to be kind of polar- polarizing who likes her and who doesn't like her. I'm still unsure, but uh, it is Gal Gadot of the Fast and the Furious films who will be playing Wonder Woman in the upcoming Zack Snyder sequel to Man of Steel, commonly being referred to as Batman vs. Superman. I should point out, even though this isn't Wonder Woman here, I should point out it has never officially been called Batman vs. Superman. It is a Superman sequel that has Batman in it. Yeah. And now I guess Wonder Woman. And I'm sure they're going to throw the Flash and who knows who else in. The flash, the flash. Because more heroes always make it better, right? Remember Spider-Man uh, 3? Throw as much oh, yeah. as you can in there and it'll just be good. Yeah, yeah. It worked for make Avengers. It, <laughs> throw it until it makes it stick. Avengers was supposed to be together, though. Right. That's an ensemble film. Yes. Yeah. Now, I have a think? couple questions here on this. Does this take the heat off Ben Affleck? Because if you look at her, I haven't seen the Fast and the Furious films. It's not my style. I have an aversion to street racing for personal reasons. But... Does this take the heat off of him? Because you look at her, she seems a little bit frail. I don't, she does look that way, but... I don't picture Wonder Woman as being bony. Well, physicality aside, because you could make an argument left and right about physicality with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is actually one of my favorite DC heroes, which I know throws people when they hear me say that. But Wonder Woman has a presence. She has a strength of presence. That she is beautiful, but she doesn't need to be. Because she can kill you. Yes, she can. And she doesn't have a problem with it. She has all the strength of Superman. She has the tactical brilliance of Batman. She has the um, fighting prowess of Luke Cage. You know, and she just happens to be a demigod in terms of beauty. On top of it. And so I'm kind of worried about that because every time they talk about, oh, this person has been cast as Wonder Woman and this person is cast as Wonder Woman, it doesn't really matter. Wonder Woman is always this really beautiful skinny thing with huge boobs. And to me, she's more than that. Well, yeah, she is a lot more than that. I'm not a big Wonder Woman fan. I never have been. Uh, I think that DC has really kind of misused the character over the years, but I'm kind of nervous about this because i mean when i think wonder woman i think you know intimidating she can be a very intimidating person just because of the physicality the beauty the intelligence everything 
And when I look at this chick they've cast, I don't see intimidating. I see this girl needs like 50 protein shakes stat. <laughs> she's a little anemic. Is yeah. She, I mean, yeah, she's just I, so thin. I don't know. Okay. Let's be honest. Okay. Are we more worried about her as Wonder Woman or are we more worried that they've just announced another superhero for no particular reason to be in a Superman movie? That is concerning as well. The, the combination of the two. Yeah. Maybe, maybe casting her in her own movie might not have been such a, a bad piece of news. But the two of them together, probably not a good combination. You know, if she's just in it for a couple minutes, you know, as a brief little cameo that's going to set the stage for a Wonder Woman film or a Justice League film, then cool. That's great. You know, let's let's see her. You know, we saw Hawkeye in Thor. He was there for all of five or ten minutes, and it let us see. Oh, hey, cool. That's Hawkeye. Maybe that's what they're planning here with Wonder Woman. Oh, that's that's Wonder Woman. This this could be cool. What they're going to set up for, but yeah. this is DC we're talking about here, and DC does not have a really good track record when it comes to live action films. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right there. I I think the best way for them to do it would be a couple mentions here and there. We see her once or twice, and at the end of the movie, there is Bruce Wayne talking with Clark Kent, going, you know. I've had thoughts about a team. And that's it. You know, ultimate teaser set up for a third movie, intro to Justice League. Yeah. Do it like a, like a stinger after the credits kind of thing. Well, maybe not even after the credits, because I think, maybe, you know, it'd be really awesome and would have really been very cool if, is if they had taken a page out of Marvel's book, hadn't announced her at all. But have that kind of conversation at the end of the movie, and then during the post-credit scene, shows her on Themyscira. See, I think that would be brilliant. But again, this is DC we're talking about here. Yeah, they'll probably lead the film with that. Probably, probably. It's gonna be so, it's gonna be a Superman slash Batman movie that starts off with the first forty-five minutes Wonder Woman on Themyscira. Yeah, for no, and then we will never return to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, into other DC news, evidently they have decided they want to spend as little money as possible while screwing things up for you. Yeah. Again, they don't have a real good track record with live action films. And so they decided we're going to give you a bunch of B and C level characters in movies with low budgets. All I can think of here is like Captain America from 19, what was it? 1989. Or the Fantastic Four from the 80s, uh, 1970s Captain America. Just really, really bad productions. Yeah, um, what they've said is they want to release a movie twice a year with uh, in the spring and the fall autumn that would be made on half the normal budget. To which I say, aren't you doing that already with DC Animation Studios? Except yes. for the fact they got rid of the animation studios. This is, this reminds me a lot of MTV films. You guys remember, like, when Joe's Apartment came out and a few Adam Sandler movies? MTV thought they were going to get into the film act. Or USA films. When USA created Pitch Black. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. It's like, oh, we can put out a great cheap movie that people will, you know, at least they'll see it enough that we'll break even. Yeah, that could work, but your DC, these are your properties. These are your lifeblood. This is what you do. This is your only commodity. It's not like if this doesn't work out, at least you have tablets to fall back on. You know, <laughs> you still have that thriving automobile <laughs> manufacturing wing. I would much rather see them take some of these characters and put them on the small screen. You know, this week on Arrow, we got introduced to Barry Allen. I love The Flash. I love Wally West as The Flash. Barry Allen is is good, but Wally West is my Flash. I would love to see them do what they've done. They brought the Huntress in. They've brought Black Canary in. They've brought, I mean, Deathstroke. They're bringing in these characters that they're talking about doing movies with. Why not just do it on TV? Implement it. Create a whole TV universe. I mean, it makes sense. They're doing really well with Arrow. And it's working, so why not stick with that? 
I could argue that they should pro they should do what Marvel's doing and actually instead of putting it to TV, put it to Netflix. That However, would be awesome Marvel too. has Marvel jumped on that first and actually tied up those rights. Do you think DC that do you think though that that Marvel or excuse me, not Marvel that Netflix would not want something like that with DC as well? Oh, oh or, I think they would love it. Or do However, you think, I don't think Marvel, Marvel has would left. shut them down? Marvel's owned by Disney now. Disney is not known for a mouse or for awesome, mildly racist cartoon movies. They're mildly? known for their lawyers. <laughs> you know, they're known for their lawyers. They protect their product. They do. And that's not a bad thing. They're entitled to it. But I can't imagine that they went into this deal with Netflix allowing for anyone else to just create whatever other product for Netflix. I think they want to corner that market. So go to Amazon then. Mm, there's an idea. I mean, the options are there. I think that DC is probably making a really big mistake with this. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Into, and this really only deserves a footnote here. You remember Stanley Media? We talked about them a while back. They sued saying that they own the rights to all of Stanley's characters and that Disney owes them billions of dollars. If you, if you don't remember, Stanley Media was formed partially by Stanley, who then left the company after they claimed bankruptcy, taking all of his properties with him. But they still swear that he left the properties to them. Even though he's no longer associated with them, even though those properties went back to Marvel and now to Disney, they still claim that they actually own them. Well, a couple months ago, a, a, a judge threw it out with prejudice, basically saying, don't ever come before court again. We're tired of you wasting our time. They have anyway. Evidently, a, another company, uh, a production company, was taken to court for making illegal Spider-Man properties, saying that they didn't have a license. Well, the company shot back saying, we do have a license. We have permission to make Spider-Man movies from Stan Lee Media. You know, the company that doesn't own the property either. <laughs> so that's how they got back into uh, headlines. Go them, I guess. And Sin City may be coming to television. Interesting. I Very don't know how they're going to pull that one off. I mean, Sin City, pretty graphic. I don't see that going to TV unless it's HBO. And maybe that's yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Sin City was really, really, really awesome, but kind of in an indie film kind of way. If you think about it, it's not a thriller. It's not an action blockbuster. It's almost like an art film. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you serialize that? Make an art TV show. <laughs> well, there are Good multiple question. books. Yeah. I mean, they there are multiple books that they could do. And if they did, like, a, I think they're talking about, like, a ten-part miniseries. I, I can see it working. I just don't see it working on network television. Yeah, no, totally agree. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it ain't. No, no, it's not. Um yeah, it's it's not one for the kids to watch. So I, I can see it probably doing really well on HBO. I think they could pull it off. And I, I'd like to see them try, but I don't see it on network TV. Yeah. Okay, into some tech news here. We're going to start off with something we have been telling you for years, literally now. And evidently other people have decided we may actually know what we're talking about. Music DRM. DRM for Digital Rights Management. It's meant to curb piracy. It doesn't work. To prove this, some researchers at the University of Toronto set up an experiment where they removed DRM from certain things and put them back out onto the market. And they found that, yes, by removing the DRM, people were able to pirate it easier. It also increased the sales by at least 10%. No. <laughs> Some saw their sales increase by 41%. 
even lower selling albums got a t- 30% sales boost. The top selling, uh, and this is kind of interesting, the top selling, uh, albums didn't see much of a benefit. Because everyone's buying it anyway. Everyone who's going to buy it has bought it. It's the low-end selling stuff. The stuff that maybe you haven't heard about that much. Maybe you don't know where to get the CD. Maybe you're not really sure. Um, maybe it's a new band and you're not sure if you like it or not. So you're not willing to spend the money on it. So you download it instead. Yeah, those saw a 41% increase. Yeah. That's... I think it just kind of goes to show what... We, and I shouldn't say it's only us, because anyone who knows anything about the internet will tell you the same thing. If you make it more accessible, more people will access it. Or, another way to put it is, if you play hard to get for too long, no one will want to get you. (laughs) They'll forget about you. (laughs) Yeah. That's really good analogy there, Zook. I like that. Also works for dating. (laughs) Hey, speaking of piracy, you know who was just found to be pirating over $180 million worth of software? It couldn't be a government agency, could it? The U.S. Army. It got caught pirating 180, actually over $180 million worth of software. It was taken to court for it, where it settled for $50 million. Now, if that was like some grandma, you know that the RIAA would be suing her for like $850 million and they would not settle for anything less than $500 million. So how did the army get away with that? Well, on one hand, it's the army. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, they could go blow up, <laughs> blow up three offices. That would be cool. Oh, yeah, so there's the military side of it. And on the other hand, it's the army. They have a few more resources and can go into a protracted battle with a, a publisher or with a software enforcement agency that a grandma can't. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like something you were telling me long ago, Zoner, about the, the the sale of gas, gas prices. You know, they set gas prices at a price they know will pay, because if I'm filling up my car at the pump. I'm just one man. And I can sit there and gripe about paying $5 a gallon all I want, but they know, in the end, I still have no choice. I have to pay to fill my car up so I can get to work. Whereas if an entire agency, and a large agency at that, says, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. They have to change. Well, it's the same thing here. The U.S. Army has more resources than any software license agency in the world. So they said, okay, yes, you're right. We were wrong. Here's a pittance for your trouble. <laughs> and I, I think it's also um, kind of a volume and a, and a loyalty thing. Um, in, in this case, I believe it was just one one piece of software um, that they, they, they used to track uh, troops and whatnot. They'd installed on over 9,000 different computers and devices. Um, and I, I I get the impression that if they couldn't settle for $50 million, if they had to pay the full um, $200 plus million, that um, that company, that software company, would be losing a, a big client. Mm-hmm. But since, since they were able to settle, the military... Or, the army is more likely to to keep them as a as a you know as a client and continue to buy their software. So I in the, in the case of the grandma, they're not really worried about losing one customer that wasn't a customer in the first place, you know. So it, yeah, it's not like they were stealing Microsoft Office or anything. You know, they weren't installing Photoshop. So no, Schmidty's right on that part too. It's just business in that regard, but but still, it's kind of funny that by doing this, they effectively got a seventy three percent discount. <laughs> yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning software piracy at all, especially in the the volume of the nine thousand range. So don't go out yeah, and that's and a little bit 9, excessive. <laughs> <laughs> don't go install your illegal copy of Photoshop on a 9,000 computers and think you can get away with it. <laughs> well, maybe you can though. Maybe you can do that and then. 
end up paying 30 cents on the dollar for it. If your yeah, employer starts Precedent's been right set. The precedent was set. That's true. All right. Uh, if you have been under a rock this week, you would have missed the news. But evidently, Jeff Bezos um, has said in a 60 Minutes interview that they are experimenting with drones to deliver packages. The idea was, and it was just this real quick little throwaway part of the segment on 60 Minutes, but that they're hoping, because most Amazon purchases are under five pounds, they hope to deliver them by drone and be at your house within 30 minutes. And immediately everyone was abuzz with this. And there's the UPS going, oh, us too, or was it FedEx? It was one of them. And everyone's saying, oh, drone technology, drone delivery, that's the way of the future. Drones this, drones that. I think we all got trolled. I don't think people realize just how many shipments get made by Amazon per hour. To deliver the amount of packages that Amazon ships, yes, they would save a great amount of money, but our skies would be black with drones. Well, not necessarily, because they say that they would only deliver within 10 miles of all the distribution centers. Now, unless they start popping up distribution centers like McDonald's, I don't think we'll see the sky. Do you think they couldn't? No, I don't think This is Amazon we're talking about. They 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 could do that. That's true. I I mean, if Walmart did it, Amazon could do it. Well, now that'd be scary. (laughs) Walmart drones. (laughs) Maybe they even just partner with them. If you think about it, who is more than 10 miles from a Walmart? The third world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Somalia. I don't think they have WalMarts yet, yeah, but yet they have a lot of drones. Yeah. Sorry, bad humor there. Um, <laughs> I think this is a really bad idea for a few reasons. One is the fact that your purchase isn't protected. It could crash. Okay, it could be shot down by someone else who's trying to steal it. It could simply hit weather. It could hit any number of things. Yeah. They could turn sentient said, and join the other side. Something to be said about having um, an airplane and a truck and an actual delivery man bring a package to your door. There, there's a sense of security about it. Whereas a drone, there's there's not a guy sitting on there that you know protecting it. It's it's a helpless little robot. <laughs> I can totally picture Uncle Sai sitting out there in the swamps, just shooting drones <laughs> down. I, I can totally picture that. That would be awesome. There's been web comics about that. Yes, yeah. there has. It's kind of like though, if if I got a delivery by drone, I no, I'm not saying I would do this, but if someone out there is like, oh, cool, free drone, and just like takes the drone into yeah, the house, just go jump on it, catch it. I've always wanted an octocopter. This is awesome. Five dollar phone case, free five thousand dollar drone. <laughs> I I don't know self driving. Delivery cars, you know, with a delivery person in it. That's not a bad idea. Still keeping the human element there. I, yeah, I don't think drone technology in this way is the way of the future. Not yet. Well, you were talking a minute ago about the skies being black with drones to just accommodate the sheer volume of shipments that Amazon has going out. Just think of the nightmare with the FAA. What's going to happen there? You know, I mean, they're already trying to control all these different helicopters and airplanes and everything else that are in our skies. Imagine throwing out thousands of drones into the mix as well. I think it's just a logistical nightmare. Yeah, that's true. And what what do you do about? Collisions. I mean, I, I know that early on you wouldn't have the pro- probability of a lot of collisions, but as this becomes more popular and more and more services have more drones, you run the, a greater risk of having collisions. And, you know, are people going to want to deliver that way if there's the risk of them not even getting their package at all? Yeah. I, well, and we've seen this headline pop up over the past few years, you know, Taco Bell talking about deli- taco delivery with drones. And everyone says the same thing. Well, that's a stupid idea. Uh, Pizza Hut talking about pizza delivery using drones. Well, that's a stupid idea. But all of a sudden we think about them delivering our USB charger and suddenly it's a good idea. No, it's still a bad idea for the same reasons it was with tacos and pizzas. 
Well, I, granted, I, granted, the USB charger isn't going to get cold, but <laughs> I, I kind of think we're getting closer to the idea of it being a good idea, but we're still not there yet. I and I and I think people are seeing that that we're getting to the point in our future, <laughs> quote unquote, that um, we probably could pull this off with the right type of regulations and 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 smart software and stuff, but. In, in my yet. in my futurist view, the drone isn't so much a drone as it is an airship, and it drops off your package Halo style, where they're dropping a weapons cache. <laughs> it, just, into the- <laughs> it just sticks into the ground. Oh, awesome! Our food dehydrator's here. That's how I picture it. My neighbor lost her dog when she decided to <laughs> walk in front of my front lawn right when I was getting a package. <laughs> Ironically, I had ordered dog food. <laughs> I'd gotten that spray to keep her from going on my yard. Guess it's not a problem anymore. So, well, and, and what was funny is within within hours of this, someone um, with a Raspberry Pi had come up with a way to already combat this future drone delivery army. Um, he uh, he rigged a Raspberry Pi onto um, onto another drone and what he can do is fly, fly it within Wi-Fi range of any other drone and it hacks the Wi-Fi network of of the target drone and turns it into a zombie drone. So basically he can just go dry, fly up to a drone, take control of it and now it's his drone again. So or it's his new drone, so. Yeah, I uh, uh there's a lot of reasons why this is not a good idea. And maybe we'll get there eventually, you know. Come episode number 411, maybe we'll be talking about how awesome this new drone delivery service is. But right now, we're <laughs> not you there. you buy a jellyfish drone. <laughs> yes. Oh, that wouldn't be creepy at all. Okay, so we all know about healthcare.gov. The uh, the Affordable Healthcare Act um, enabled this website to be created so everyone could get government healthcare. Politics aside, everyone knows on all sides of the issue that the website sucks. It sucks rocks. Uh, not to be too crude there, but it is probably the worst website I've ever seen design, uh, short of like a GeoCities page. All it's yeah. missing are, is like a blinking background and like a, a cursor that turns into a horse when you visit the website. I mean, it's that <laughs> bad. <laughs> the animated gif of a guy digging in a shovel... Site under construction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all it's missing. And yet somehow someone was paid billions of dollars to make this site and launch it to the entire population of the United States. Not surprisingly, it didn't work. Well, it turns out that the problem was maybe worse than we thought. Not only did it not work, there was no security behind it. Any information you entered into it was totally accessible to anyone and everyone. Which is awesome How? when you have a website that's designed to collect every piece of information about you that exists. How in this day and age, and Schmidt, I'm kind of turning this over to you because you're our resident web programmer, but how in this day and age do you build a site like that that is that unsecure? I mean, I don't even know how to code. I do everything in WordPress, and it's more secure than this website was. You, you don't. It, that's it's the simple answer. You have year one college students that have better security practices than this. Maybe it's, they did it in Notepad. <laughs> you know, just saved it as an HTM file. It was the bring your daughter to work day. Okay. <laughs> the thing you got to remember though is they spent a billion dollars on this. Mm-hmm. You can't expect security for only a billion dollars. You need to spend at least like twenty billion to have security, don't you? I have security on open source. <laughs> no, no, but oh, you, behind the scenes, you're paying like four or five billion dollars, I'm sure. Yeah, the upkeep on stolendroids.com is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is just ridiculous. How can you even think that you can get away with this? No, what, what gets me is, uh, in the article, uh, it's, uh, and I'll, I'll quote it here. It says, according to the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversaw the implementation of the website, the components used to build the site are compliant with standards set by federal security authorities. So what does this say about the rest of the federal 
websites that are out there. Does this mean that I can go to NSA.gov and hack that just as easily? You should. You should be able to. (laughs) And it makes me really wonder, what is China getting from us when they hack our websites? Because if they've got no security... I'll tell you the first thing they're getting from it. Boy, these guys are idiots. Yeah. Yeah, they (laughs) are. That's the first lesson. Well, and that, that, is, that you bring that up, and that's kind of a throwback headline. I think it was a few months ago we talked about that nearly all cyber attacks on the U.S. originate from China, and they're pulling down huge amount of information on us per day. Well, is it any wonder? This is yeah. just embarrassing. People need to be fired, taken out behind the woodshed. I don't know, but this is not acceptable to me. No, this isn't. Uh, switching gears here slightly, there was another website this week that looked a bit like healthcare.gov going down. Motorola had a Cyber Monday deal on the Moto X. Now, the Moto X is their new top-of-the-line Android phone. Well, top-of-the-line for Motorola. I'm not a fan, but that's me. And I guess they, quote-unquote, underestimated demand. And the site crashed. Like, it totally crashed. It crashed hard. People, even who were able to get through and buy one, didn't get one because their order was never actually logged in the system. They had to shut it down and apologize. And the CEO publicly apologized, saying, we should have done better. We didn't, you know, he spun it. You know, we didn't expect so many people were so excited for our awesome phone. And that's awesome that it had so many people wanting our phone. So we're going to have a makeup sale on Wednesday. It'll start at this time on Wednesday. If you weren't able to get your Moto X phone on Monday, you can do it then. Two hours into the sale on Wednesday, it's shut down again. Because evidently they still didn't figure out how many people wanted this phone. I don't know what's up with Motorola. It seems like ever since they got bought out by Google, they have no clue how to count. Is their website designed by the people who did healthcare.gov by chance? <laughs> no, because they actually secure your information. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. true. That's they were true. able to take credit card payments. How could I miss something so obvious? Yeah. Now, now, they also did promise that uh, Monday, December 9th, they will double the quantity of phones available. Um, so... But that that still raises the question, are they going to allow the high traffic still on their site? So they'll have double the phones to sell. Uh, we'll just see if they can handle that tra- kind of traffic. Is yeah. it possible for them to implement something like Cloudflare or some sort of caching system so that, I mean, do WordPress super cache plug in on their site or something? I don't know. I guess it depends on how they implement their, their site. That's... Cloudflare works great for blogs, but probably not so much for e-commerce. Yeah. Hey, speaking of securing things, uh, a security firm was going through some servers in a data center based in the Netherlands, and in it they found over 2 million passwords. Kind of an odd thing to find. Except then they found that all those passwords had been gained by people, by users of Facebook, ADP, Google, and Twitter, all using a botnet called Pony. Now, details have been a little bit scarce on how Pony has operated, but Facebook, Google, Twitter, that's all kind of old news. People get passwords that way all the time. The big one there is ADP. Now, if you're not familiar with ADP, um, take a look at your pay stub. Okay, A lot of people who get paid get paid through ADP services. They're a financial brokerage firm that handled the finances and payroll for a lot of Big companies. Uh, in the fiscal 2013 year, they moved 1.4 trillion U.S. dollars within the United States alone paying payroll. So that's a big deal. Now, what they did say is that a lot of the times the botnet wasn't hacking so much as it was brute. It was uh, running through all possible passwords. And by doing that, it was able to find 2 million, which kind of explains why it's only 2 million and not more. Because by rolling through all possible passwords, that can take a very long time. Except, if not if you make it easy. It turns out the number one password that was cracked, uh, 15,820 of its victims actually had the same password, and it was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's a combination to my luggage. 
Uh, also <laughs> up there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, and don't password. Forget, don't forget password, yeah. <laughs> what the crap, people? This is 2013 now. How have you not figured out how to make a password? Oh, it's just for my payroll. When they ask you to enter password, they're not asking you to type password. Yeah. (laughs) You don't actually need to find the any key, okay? You don't need to drink a tab every time you hit it, okay? Yeah, it's just the password for your payroll. That's not important at all, right? I mean, it's not like the healthcare.gov site. Where they don't even need a password. It's just published anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get if you're if you have an account with any of these websites, and, you, and chances are you do, um, change your password. Um, e- even if you even if you've changed it recently, change it again. Change and it, it again. It, it's probably good to enable two-step authentication um, if you have if the site you're on supports it. I know we've talked about that in the past. We um, need to write an article on how to do that and why yeah. to do that. I think that'd be a good PSA. Yeah, it's just an extra safety measure. So even if your password does get found out, they still need your cell phone or whatever else you use for the do- for the second step authentication to get into your account. So it's, it's a little more secure. Mm-hmm. Um, into some other weird news. Back to China, actually, and not in a security way. China has said that they are displeased with Microsoft because Microsoft is canceling support for Windows XP. We've talked about this for, for many, many a episode. Come April of 2014, Microsoft will cease all support for Windows XP. It's about freaking time. Windows XP, most people forget, is 12 years old now? 13 years, yeah. Yeah, it's it's old people. It's before Wi-Fi. It's before USB two. It's old. Wow. Move on. <laughs> and well, USB two is old. <laughs> China doesn't want to move on. China has said that because of the sheer amount of computers that have Windows XP, they want support to continue on. Also, and I don't quite understand their line of reasoning here. They're saying that this will help them curb piracy. Microsoft's short answer? No. <laughs> well, it'll help curb piracy in China. Because, because no one's pirating XP anymore. You, you can't, well, because you can't pirate new software because all new software is only supported by Windows 7 and up. So, there you Technically, go. Technically, Windows Vista and up. But Not no sure. one wants to say that word. Yeah, let's no just forget is. about that. <laughs> okay, for everyone who complains about Windows Vista, I have two letters for you. M-E. That was much worse. I never had a problem with Vista. I never had a problem with Vista. I don't understand. I understand a lot of people did. I just don't understand how. But that's me. Uh, What another thing China doesn't like is Bitcoin. Evidently, Bitcoin has been ruled. uh, No, no, you do not use Bitcoin within China. I'm confused by this, and I will fully admit that I don't have a strong grasp of world economics. But I really thought China was communist. And didn't use currency in the same manner anyway. So I'm not quite sure how Bitcoin is being used there. But again, I have a very limited understanding of it. Perhaps someone else can instruct us. I won't even feign understanding either. (laughs) But if you travel to China and you want to use Bitcoins to buy a candy bar, just know it's not going to be allowed. Yeah. Unless it's in the black market and you're buying a candy bar made of a human kidney. There you go. Only if you're going through New Kowloon City. Okay, so an interesting article came up this week uh, from Yale, actually. They went through and found all the key components to cell phones. uh, Elements. Not circuits, but elements. And found that many of those elements are a lot more rare than we thought. And not just that, but many of those elements cannot be replaced by other elements. Which leads to a very, very scary thought. That thought is, is that as early as 2020, we may run out of certain elements that are necessary for making cell phones as we currently build them. This is 
not something I saw coming. Well, it's, it's kind of always been been on the mind of manufacturers because these these rare earth elements um, are are just that they're rare earth elements. They're they're really hard to find, and when you do find them, you find them in such small quantities um, that that your your uses are limited. Now, fortunately, a lot of these rare earth elements, um, the amount that you use you use to make one cell phone is really small. Uh, they're, some of them are used in like the GPS chips, and some of them are used in the processors. And well, yeah, you that. say that, but then Apple releases that we shipped over 200 million iPhones this quarter alone. Right. And those well, trace amounts kind of add up. Yeah, they they add up, and it, but it adds up to about like a couple grams. Um, but that that being said, it still is a worry um, that they are going to be running out since they are so rare. Pretty so. soon we'll be sending out, you know, manned expedition parties to Pandora to retrieve <laughs> rare earth in- minerals for our cell phones. I'm a well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there are actually organizations out there that are working on finding out ways to mine asteroids or the moon or, or Mars because these rare earth elements are on there in droves. I mean, it, the amount of rare earth elements we have mined in our history right now would, f- uh, I, I think the number I read was, said it would fill about four feet high in a basketball court. But the amount of rare earth elements on one asteroid would fill that same basketball court four times higher than the baskets. So I, I think mining asteroids would probably, probably be our saving grace in this, in this area. Is this something that you think can eventually be synthesized? Well, I think that's the, the reason they call it rare, you know, is that they're elements that can't be synthesized. Well, or diamonds they can't are be duplicated. rare, but they can synthesize diamonds. There's man-made mm-hmm. diamonds out there. Diamonds are rare, but carbon is not. Right. To, to actually make an atom takes a lot of energy. It's possible, but to make enough to be able to, to keep up the supply uh, for what we need would really be... I mean, it, our, our cell phones would really shoot up to the millions of of dollars in price range. So. And before you think that we're just being petty and just saying these are all about smartphones, a lot of these are used in other technologies that we all consider futuristic. You know, a lot of power generation comes with from elements, sorry, not elements, but from devices that use these rare earth elements. Electric cars use them quite a bit. It's pretty obvious going forward that we can't proceed into the future we've all seen in sci-fi if we suddenly run out of building material. Now, it shouldn't be surprising, actually, and I'm kind of digressing here and we're running out of time, but uh, it shouldn't be surprising that asteroids have so much of this stuff. A lot of people say that the only reason the Earth has these minerals in the first place is from when asteroids kept striking it during its formation in the first place. That's That's how the Earth got these rare Earth minerals anyway. So it is out there. We just have to find it. <laughs> so maybe we just need to keep digging deeper. Well, that right there is going <laughs> to screw up Amazon and their drone program. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, drone delivery has been halted for lack of rare earth minerals. <laughs> your, your drone has been lost. It, it, it's trying to find an asteroid to mine now. Sorry. <laughs> but on, All right. on the flip Our- side of that, though... Maybe it'll be Amazon who goes out and actually is the first ones to start mining so that they can do their drone program. <laughs> it'll be Amazon or Google. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> the scary truth about the movie Alien, you know, where they go off and they find the collector ship and release xenomorphs everywhere. The company that Ripley worked for was Amazon. <laughs> this is true. Oh, man. Or Starbucks. One of the yeah. two. <laughs> okay, our last headline of the day. Um, this is kind of interesting. I want to take this with a huge grain of salt, but reportedly a kid playing NBA 2014 on his new Xbox One received an interesting notice on there. He got a technical foul in-game because he was screaming and swearing at his TV and the Kinect heard him. Yeah. On one hand... That's awesome. And I'll get to the other hand in a moment here, but Microsoft has stated the biggest problem with Xbox Live 
No, I, I should say, I shouldn't say that. I have stated that the biggest problem with Xbox Live is everyone else on Xbox Live. Yeah. It's kind of like the biggest problem with public transportation is the public, only in this case, it's a nine-year-old screaming obscenities and racial slurs into your ear. When Schmitty and I play on Xbox Live, we don't use the chat function. We Skype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we don't want to hear what everyone else is saying. So it is pretty awesome that they're implementing these kind of controls into the games. And I should say, this isn't even Microsoft that's doing it. This is something that the game publisher did. Yeah. I, I like the idea. And I, um, and for that reason, just so that maybe, maybe we have a hope that, that the future of Xbox Live or, or online gaming at all will, will hear a lot less cursing. So now I'm going to flip real quick to the other side here, and it's the obvious question. Is it Microsoft's job to be listening to you and making sure you're talking pretty? No. And in fact, I don't think they have the right to do so. Granted, it is their service, and they are protecting the majority of their other gamers because, frankly, they're not getting money from those swearing nine-year-olds. They're getting money from the parents who buy the games and from the adult gamers like ourselves who buy the systems. And it's us who are kind of sick and tired of the Xbox Live sociosphere, if you want to call it that. But however, and I just want to leave it with this, and I apologize, we've got to keep moving on here. It's not at Microsoft's job to have make sure you're talking pretty with other people. It was your parents' job. And they obviously failed. So <laughs> it has fallen onto Microsoft to do this for you. And if you're a type of person who gets mad and screams and swears about Microsoft saying you scream and swear too much, maybe the problem isn't them. Yep. <laughs> Half our listeners unsubscribe from us after the show. <laughs> well, there's there's the saying, I don't remember where I heard it, but if you meet an a-hole in the morning, you've met an a-hole. If you meet an a-hole all throughout the day, maybe you're the a-hole. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that saying does not have a hole in it, but okay. No, I, well, family friendly, you know, gotta. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to know what your thoughts are on that feedback at stolendroids.com. Um, you know, where, where do you stand on the polite police on Xbox Live? Into our favorites this week. I almost did not have a favorite this week until this little gem came across my inbox. It is a scene from the Blues Brothers. If you don't know the Blues Brothers, how dare you stop this podcast immediately and watch the full movie. But there's a great iconic scene, a chase sequence, where they drive into a shopping mall. And then throughout the shopping mall, being chased by two state troopers. It is awesome. It took a huge amount of stunt work, and for you know the late 70s, it was considered one of the best moments in cinema history, uh, only to be topped by the huge 400 car pileup later in that same movie. Well, someone has gone in and shot for shot, recreated it in Lego to scale. It's timed up with the audio. It is amazing. And I'm still sitting there scratching my head. How did he get a camera into a Lego mall? But he did. There's also a great side-by-side video you can watch uh, on his channel that shows the two scenes put next to each other. And you really do get an appreciation for just how much he mimicked this. So that is my favorite. My favorite is probably the best newscast ever. Uh, Anchorman 2 comes out in a couple weeks, I believe Christmas Day. And Will Ferrell showed up recently uh, at KXMB-TV in Bismarck, North Dakota, in character, and did a full 30-minute newscast in character as Ron Burgundy. It was awesome. It had to have been the greatest newscast in the history of newscasts, and he wasn't up to any real antics. He did do a few things, but he was just Ron Burgundy in character doing the news, and it was great. Watch it. That's now. Okay, awesome. my uh, my favorite uh, comes from Ted Ed, a uh, YouTube channel that I watch a lot. Um, this is on the chemistry of cookies. Uh I, I really love cookies, and so this this uh, was really awesome for me to watch. Uh, it, they go through like 
the the temperature, the, the chemistry of all the temperatures, uh, what happens at what temperature, and and why things are happening, why cookies look the way they do, and and why they cook the way they do. So it's very educational. If you like cookies and you like chemistry, this is the video for you. And who doesn't like cookies, honestly? Communists. <laughs> well, that is our show this week. You know, again, let us know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear more of. StolenDroids.com, uh, feedback at StolenDroids.com, uh, 801-917-GEEK. That's 801-917-4335. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production. <laughs>